I pray that the Lord would douse this place with the water of the Spirit. And that inside of every one of us, rivers of living water would burst out and flow out of us. That's the only way you're going to live. Amen. All right. All right. Exodus 17, and I'll read four verses here. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of Sin. I know how it's spelled, but that would, pronunciation would be Sin. After their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink in Rephidim. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? Or why are you tempting the Lord? You're giving me trouble and you're tempting the Lord. And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses. Look at that in chronological order. They thirsted and they murmured. And said... Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto these people? They be almost ready to stone me. <laughs> Another version of the scripture would describe it like this. Instead of journeys, the The scripture would say they moved from place to place, but camped at Rephidim. So pitched would mean camped. They set up life. Amen. And I pray the anointing of the Holy Ghost on me and on you, and that he would add a blessing to his already anointed word. And I would say to all of the congregation here and abroad, You don't want to miss one service in the next 15 weeks. The next 15 weeks are pivotal points in our lives. I already know because we've been working on it. Amen. The Lord is in this house. He's a good God. He has already planned a blessing for you. You didn't think that you were going to get a blessing, but he brought one for you. Some of you doubted whether or not the Lord remembered you, but he knows who you are. And he's brought the provision that you need today. Even if you don't know how to ask for it, he already knows what you need before you ask. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Turn to someone close to you and tell them that uh, they smell wonderful and you're so glad that you're close by them. Thank you, Brother Lyle.
I wish my sister was here with us today because we could we could talk a little bit about it when when we were young young we spent a lot of time at the table retelling the stories that everyone already knew around mama's kitchen table we we retold stories of our family and in particular our grandfather Farino. His real name was Dastuch, but when he came to America, they didn't know how to translate that, so they called him William. When my, when my brother was the youth pastor at our church, we had wooden pews, and he called for a youth prayer meeting on a day, and uh, we were all at the altar praying. There was about 35 of us, maybe 40 kids. And we were having a good prayer time and no one was there but the youth. However, my grandfather Farino showed up for youth prayer and he didn't come to the altar, but he went back to his pew. If you kneel down in those old wooden pews and you pray loud, your voice echoes. And my grandfather Farino started praying real loud. And he said, oh, Jesus, I love you. Of course, we knew that he was in the building at that moment. You're beautiful, Jesus. You're so beautiful, Jesus. This was good so far. And then he said, and look at those angels. <laughs> and he started to whistle at the good-looking angels and say how beautiful they were. And youth prayer was over. <laughs> Grandpa did not know what a pun was. And Scotty tried to teach him what a pun was. And he kept saying, bunt, punt. My grandfather, there was many stories, and most of which are not appropriate to tell here in this setting. We told those stories and they are alive to us. The retelling of life. In the scripture, if you're looking at this, if you go home and study, you'll find that Moses is going to do the same thing. He's going to recount the entire history. He will retell it. And in the verbiage, it's no less than the sealing through oral means, the happenings of the people of Israel. Moses will indicate their points of distinction, where we came from, where we walked, the trials, our faith, God's miracles, his provisions. He called them journeys. These are the journeys of the children of Israel which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. Another version says these are the stages of the children of Israel. But they were more than just little places. They were locations where destinies were determined. It's where you, you often find yourself and things change. If you look back in life, there's some places that bifurcate. Crossroads. 
And those places are where you, where you spend time. The places, the locations often become who you are and not just where you are. Because where you are can create who you are. It's environment. And where you are not offers the same safety or calamity. The beauty of being in the house is that you are not omnipresent. (laughs) I hope you can hear what the Spirit has to say today. In regard to the retelling from Moses, Eugene Peterson's commentary says it like this. These are the camping sites of the children of Israel. In all the places listed depicted the stations of their lives. Victories happened in some of those locations. Trials in others. The wonders of God were seen and the failures of the people also. Moses is retelling the story that everyone already knew. He will replay the day they left Egypt. Moses will take the long route to name their locations, the terrain, even the circumstances of their journey. It's almost a laborious description of 40 years of travel until they are standing at the border of the land of Canaan, but just at the border. Now, Rephidim was early on in their journey, but it was not the first dry place. After they crossed the Red Sea and watched the water swallow up the Egyptian army, they walked for three days without water. When they finally found water, it was bitter. They walked to and through Mara. All right, just wrap your mind around it. Forget about everything else. They walked to and through Mara. Say it with me. To and through. Say it again. To and through. Rephidim wasn't the first dry location. It was just the first place they camped without water. They set up life there. They stayed there. The first time they were walking toward the water was to and through. But Rephidim was a stopping point. And Rephidim was not the first place the people complained. No, they complained before the Red Sea. They complained after the Red Sea. They complained and murmured. They talked about the pleasantries of Egypt, all of which were untrue. They talked ill of Moses and considered a new leader. All of it and more happened before the crossing and after the crossing of the Red Sea. And it makes me know that people just like to complain. Murmuring is in your blood. It's innate. Unless someone tries to convince you otherwise. Let me just tell you, complaining is not a spiritual gift. <laughs> Depth is not repeating the infraction levied against you. Depth is keeping a good spirit in spite of it. The children of Israel set up life at Rephidim, a place with no water. It was dry. It was the edge of the desert. They camped there. It was the stage of their journey that would define them, many of them. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, God gave them water. God gives them water because God is good. And right after that, after the water was flowing from a flint rock, they'll fight against the armies of Amalek. That was the place where Moses stood on top of the mountain and lifted up his hands. Rephidim, that dry place is where Joshua fought against the Amalekites and prevailed as long as Moses had his hands up. So Aaron and Hur moved a stone him down strengthened Moses they literally just held up his hands the evidence of their physical action invoked a spiritual intervention and it all played out in the valley of Rephidim Rephidim and even though God gave water and victory 
there still was no water, no wells at Rephidim, unlike Mara, which held water bitter as it, as it was. There were no waters to heal, no water to refine, no water to boil or wash. Rephidim was dry. They were living in the dry. <laughs> Lend your spiritual mind for a moment. Maybe Rephidim was inevitable. We know that a mighty battle, a pivotal battle was going to take place there. We know water was going to flow from a flint rock there, but it was more than just a physical battle. It was a spiritual occurrence. There was a faith battle taking place because in the dry, there's a faith battle. <laughs> Think now. They are in between the Red Sea and Mount Sinai. They came from the Red Sea, but they've not made it to Sinai. Rephidim is in between. God did a powerful work at the Red Sea. For Israel, the crossing of the Red Sea was the most notable miracles in their history. All of their writers and scholars will write about it. Their judges and prophets and leaders refer to it. The psalmist, which there are many, spoke of the Red Sea. Songs, both then and now, depicted in all forms. I submit that a million sermons over have been born from those parted waters of the Red Sea. God hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he's thrown into the sea. He, the enemy that you see today, you'll see no more. That's the Red Sea. Generations lived off the faith that emanated from that moment of the Red Sea. And then came Sinai. Fifty days later, a mountain on fire, God gave the law. It was the shadow of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, which would happen thousands of years later, and it happens today. The face of Moses glowed at Sinai. The Levites were established forever at Sinai. A priesthood emerged at the foot of that fiery mountain at Sinai. The Ten Commandments, which gave liberty to the people and graces, tabernacles and homes and buildings for centuries of time, all happened at Sinai. It was the place of moral direction. That mountain marked the pathway of right living. Sinai declared the intent of God's desire for his people for all time. His laws were forever, hear it, his laws were forever boundaries for the whole of humanity written by the mighty hand of God. Even today, in this day, those words are the very things which Satan withstands in full force. The commandments that God gave, they are an affront to the spirit of this age which rejects them and scorns them. We're living in a day that hates the Ten Commandments. Well. Mm -hmm. In the Red Sea and Mount Sinai, these two places pivot points of time. They are towers of God's omniscient plan for the ages to come. They are powerful and, and significant. Their constitution is the fabric of God's eternal plan of salvation. And yet in between them is Rephidim, the dry the dry exposed them in uncomely ways. It moved them away from their recent victory. It shifted their joy and their dancing and turned it into complaining and second-guessing. Their natural dilemma submerged their prior spiritual experience. And that has never changed. Camping in the dry, living in the dry will strip you of the Holy Ghost and the joy found there. Living in a place where there's no water will make you rethink things. That should have been already established. Mm -hmm. Emotions rise up like clouds. Blocking the beauty of God's shining light. 
If the Lord is going to use the last year for his good, the devil is always also going to use it for his purpose too. He wants to quarantine you away from the water. Mm-hmm. Well, I cannot say why they camped at Rephidim, but I do know that unthankful hearts always emerge in the dry. A parched soul produces a bitter spirit. And the longer you stay away from the water, the more difficult it is to feel the peace and presence of the Lord. I know this. Physical issues can make you forget that you were once delivered from sin. You go through a bad time. I promise you, you'll forget that God delivered you and healed you and set you apart. And you'll forget about the blood and the cross and the joy and dancing the spirit and speaking another tongue. You'll forget about all that. Joseph once interpreted the dream for a Pharaoh. No one knew what Pharaoh's dreams meant until Joseph stepped forward. Pharaoh saw out of the river, he said, I saw seven cows, sleek and fat. They grazed among the reeds. After them, seven cows, ugly and gaunt. They came up out of the Nile. They stood beside those on the riverbank. Seven gaunt cows. Verse 20 of Genesis 41. Then the lean cows, ugly cows, ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. What does this mean? The lean cows ate up the healthy cows. And Joseph said, Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine. You're going to have seven years of wonderful wealth and produce, but seven years are coming, and all the plenty, hear it, all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. Here's verse 31. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. You get in the dry, you'll forget that you were ever saved and that God was ever good. You'll forget you had plenty. You'll forget the day that you, that you were born again of the water and the spirit. You'll forget the day that you were healed and your family was delivered and God gave you provision. The longer you stay in the dry. The dry is a dangerous place to be. The dry consumes your memory. The dry leaves you open to spiritual invasion. It swallows up the good times and has the ability to make you forget. If you camp there, you will forget that you pass through the impossible. I'm preaching about reality today. Maybe this is direction for some and it might be correction for others. Maybe we are all meant to go through some dry places, but you do not have to camp there. You go to and you go through. You get there and you don't stop there. You don't pitch there. You don't live there. you got to retell about the goodness of the Lord it might just be that you have to say it again how he brought you out how he brought you through how he covered you with his blood you got to repeat it and retell it over and over get at your table tell how you were saved if your testimony is 20 years old tell it again tell how the Lord is beautiful how he's great I want you to tell me, if you're in the dry, I want you to tell me. Tell me again how you were bound in sin. Come on, tell me how you were messed up. Egypt had you bound. It was a generational thing. You had no way out. Tell me how you did not know any other way. 
I was hearing Mike and Darcy Hedges talk about how they did not know any other way and they retold the story how that their baby was healed tell it again Dar- baby Hadley is 10 years old but tell me it's fresh I gotta have it it's gonna bring me through the dry They told that story on Friday, Friday or Saturday. They told that to me again, and I already knew the story. I already knew it because I was there. I was there when Miss Cindy, when Cindy called Tammy and said, "We we got a couple in our in our daycare. They got a boy here, but they just had a baby. The baby's eight days old. It doesn't have the intestines right. It didn't form right. They put the scope down. It went the wrong way. They cannot give it any food. It's living off of sugar water. They got wires attached to her little head and her and her little toes. And we walked." into Riley Hospital and Tammy and I walked in there and, and I saw Mike and I saw Darcy they didn't know who we were and, and there they were and he, he was he was standing there and they were holding their baby maybe for the last time maybe for the last time and we walked up and the Lord starts speaking through me and Tammy and we began to pray and I don't know why I said it I, cold chills broke out of my body when I said the Lord's going to heal your baby within the hour I didn't remember all that but Mike remembered that and when he started retelling the story He told us how that 30 minutes had lapsed and God healed the baby. Retell the story. It's going to get you through the dry. if you're dry one day is long enough one Sunday should be long enough you get back up and say I'm not living in the desert I'm not going to live in the desert say it again how you didn't realize that you could be free but you found the Lamb of God and you were baptized in the water and in the spirit and you were covered by the blood of that spotless land tell me again tell me how the devil chased you and how fear was your unwanted companion and how you ran into your own red sea and you had no way out you had no water you had no way over you had no way through it but the lord made a way when there was no way tell it again he brought you through and the enemy would have devoured your life but god buried the enemy of your soul tell me how the lord saved you and brought you a mighty long way because if you don't retell the story you'll die in the dry because you're going to get to Rephidim and some of you are already here. And if you're at home watching me and you're at Rephidim or whatever place that finds you, if you become cold and different and burdened down by life and you can be burdened down by life, you're going to need to remember the goodness of the Lord. I got to remember the goodness of the Lord. I rest on the scripture. The whole earth is filled with the goodness of the Lord. See, in between the Red Sea and Sinai, you're going to have to take control. Sinai is the moment of demarcation. It's the time of your appointment. But Rephidim always seems to happen after you get out, before you get in. See, Jesus said the sower sows the word, the seed, and the word is believed. But the devil comes immediately to steal it. That happens at Rephidim. 
And before you dismiss this word today, it's just some motivational moment on some nondescript Sunday. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you because he knows where you are in those season to come. Jesus was talking about evil spirits when he said that an unclean spirit has gone out of a person. And when that unclean spirit goes out of a person, that that spirit seeks for, and I quote, dry places, Matthew 12. You get cold and indifferent and dry, you don't know what's going to enter your life. You can't control what will enter your mind. And I say you cannot camp in a place where there is no water. You will get in it, but you don't have to live there. Geography, ladies and gentlemen, matters to your spiritual life and your destiny. And I wish I could keep you from it, but the dry is almost always present right before there's an endowment of power. Psalmist said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We rejoice in the latter, but don't dismiss the former. That's reality. The latter is joy in the morning, but we best not shrug off the weeping in the night. It is debilitating. It grips your soul. The night smothers the light of your understanding. The night happens in all of our lives. Death, sickness, loss of things, relationships broken, disappointments, oh yes. Even questions about life, even questions about whether or not you're saved or whether this is real. It all happens in the valley of Rephidim. The best of the best even struggle in that dry place. You see, the longer you go without exercising the Holy Spirit, the more dry, the harder it is. Even John the Baptist, of whom Jesus said there was none greater, he was in prison. John felt abandoned in prison. He was isolated. He was waiting for his own execution. He was in the dark. And in his dry time, even John, the most powerful preacher and prophet of his day, he questioned the deity of Jesus Christ. And he said unto his disciples, tell him, ask him, art thou he that, we should, that, that should come? Or should we look for somebody else? John knew who Jesus was. John was the first to declare that Jesus to be the Lamb of God. John called out the Pharisees. He was baptizing masses of people just to set the stage for the name of Jesus in baptism. John was humble before the Lord. He considered himself unworthy to stoop down and tie the shoes of Jesus. But in the dry, in the dark, at midnight, when nobody was around, he struggled with his faith. The best of the best struggle. So don't think you're above it. Weeping will endure for a night. Don't get buried in the night. Something's going to happen in the morning. You're just going to have to believe the word of the Lord. Jesus said this, tell John. I'm going to say, I'm telling you. You may not see it or may not understand it. The blind see. The deaf hear. The lame are walking. The dead are getting up. You're going to be okay. God's going to come through for you. Whether you know it or not, he's still moving on this earth. Whether you can see it or not, God's still a great God. He's already providing a way from you. He's going to mend some relationships. He's going to restore some things you lost. He's going to give you back the years that the locusts have eaten. He's a great God. He didn't leave you just because you're in the dark and in the dry. There's water ahead. There's fountains. There's rivers. There's wells. 
I wish somebody would clap their hands like you believe it and shout out to God and receive the word. I'm not going to live in the dry, but I'm looking for the river. Maybe this is a little pragmatic, but the dry place is subtle. It's a little coldness here and a few issues over here. This may be practical, but it happens when we stay away from the preached word. The teachings and the lessons... They feed us. It happens when we are burdened by the cares of this world. When we don't pray anymore in the spirit. When worship and praise is regulated to whatever our musicians provide for us. That's when it happens. It happens when disappointments come our way. And when your dreams end. When you're in money crisis. When you're in family issue. When there are more ways to be empty. And few ways to be filled. It happens when leaders. Don't meet your expectations. I'm talking about me. When I do not do what I need to do. Or what you think I should be doing. I am not exempt. (laughs) Rephidim happens. Does that shock you? I feel like people are a little nervous. I can't meet all of the expectations. If we had three people in the church, I couldn't meet all three. If we have five people in the church, I couldn't meet all five. I can't even meet my own expectations. I'm offended by my own offensiveness. <laughs> You think I offend you? I offend myself more than I offend you. Uh Uh-huh. And then we suddenly, all of our disappointments and expectations are crashed. And then we murmur and complain because that's natural. Rephidim happens when you come through the inexplicable and the wonders of the Red Sea, but the next day is not so wonderful. Rephidim is Tuesday. It's Thursday. It's when you shout on Sunday, but by Friday, you're miserable. The Red Sea is a victory. You're dancing in Exodus chapter 15. Tambourines are in your hand. Of course, I say that figuratively. Don't worry. Just, it's figurative tambourines. It's in your heart, basically. I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have gone there. Tambourines are in your hand. Everybody's singing and shouting at the Red Sea. And then comes manna from heaven. Boy, that's awesome. That's an awesome thing for about a week. And then, and then it gets old. Manna gets old. Every day is manna. It's awesome. Look, it just appeared on the ground. But then two weeks, three weeks later, you know manna is not meat. Show me the meat. It's boiled manna. It's fried manna, it's sautéed manna, baked manna, grilled manna, manna soup, manna pie, manna loaf, manna on a fork, manna in a crock pot, 
fire, break manna. I'll skip to the end. Manna wrapped in manna. Manna, yes, meat, no. You think the dry is bad. And the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to the land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came to the borders of the land of Canaan. I know this. Murmuring and complaining will steal your faith. And faith is what it's going to take to get into the land that flows with milk and honey. You got to stop complaining and start saying words of faith. The dry will devour you. See, the place that's dry is where you develop that complaining spirit. And you can't, I'm going to tell you what, you can't complain your way into promise. You can't murmur your way into victory. You'll murmur your way into misery. Or you can praise your way into health. Let me say that again. You can praise your way into health. In fact, you can praise your way into joy. Don't wait for the feeling. Just go through the motion. If you're waiting for the feeling, you may never get it. But I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to shout to God. I'm going to dance before the Lord. And he's going to give me an outpouring. When the praises go up, the blessing comes down. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I'm asking God to pour out a river, a water, douse us. I have to say this because this is critical for us. Paul is writing, he's talking about the church, he's talking about the body. When he writes about the intention of the Lord, that the Lord might sanctify the church. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. It's no wonder why people feel dry. They're reading Facebook, but they're not, but they're rejecting the book. If you read your Bible as much as you read Facebook, social media, Instagram, or whatever you got going on, you probably wouldn't be bitter today. Did did you see that? 35% clapped their hands. Yeah? Joy. Don't mess with my Facebook. Uh huh. Here's the problem. You've been paying attention to everyone else and their commentaries, but you didn't t- pay attention to God's holy word. This is not a commentary. This is a living word of God. It's God's word for you. It's not what someone else thinks. It's the law of the Lord. I got to meditate on it and eat it day and night. You know why you got mad? I'll tell you why you got mad. You got mad because someone wrote something and you read it and you responded to it. And the problem back then was they could just complain to one another. God heard it. But now we've got a way to express every passing thought. It goes through our brain. And then we just post it for all the world to see. And then people just wait for a little notice. Ding. 
on the joy euphoria. It's like natural endorphins shooting through your brain. Your cranium is filled with joy because some knucklehead posted something and your emotions get all wrapped up in it. And now you're all wrapped up. You haven't taught a Bible study in so long. You haven't gotten to the book. You're, you don't even really know where Exodus is and Genesis and Deuteronomy. You have no idea where the altar is and you're so dry. You're dry. You're living in the dry. I say get out of the dry. You're going to die in the dry. You got to get back in the word and be washed with the water of the word. You got to get back in the word. You ought to have your Bible on the kitchen table. If there's one thing you ought to have out, it's the scripture. Don't forsake the scripture. I want to add a little something to the prayer room. We have a prayer room, but this whole place is a prayer room. I was walking into the atrium and praying in the atrium. I think wherever you want to be, just pray. I want to add something to the prayer room. Before you make a decision, you pray. But before you make a decision, you pray and you read your Bible. You'll know whether or not God's going to lead you that way. Tammy and I were about to make a big decision. But we went on a little trip. We said we're going to have three days. And we're going to pray and fast over it. And we read the Bible. And the second day I read the scripture. And when I got to the scripture, I said, there's the answer. There's the answer. You see, if we're not exercising these things, we die or we get cold. And of course, we're going to get weary. Of course. And of course, people are weary today because we filled our lives with the news. And if I can just say this today, there's very little news out there. These are shows These are, these are sitcoms. These are people posing as journalists. And the church is consuming it. And instead of being about the Great Commission and the Father's business. We're so dry. We've read too many things that will not edify. edify. The reason why is because you've been camping at Rephidim. Get out of Rephidim. Get out of Rephidim. Get in the house. Get in the prayer room. Get in the word. If you've got the Holy Ghost, exercise it again and speak with other tongues. I'm almost done here. I told you I needed the Lord to make a way. Because I've disturbed several of you. Uh-huh. I want to be like David when he wrote in Psalm 1. I want to be like the man. He shall be planted like a tree. I want to be by rivers of water. Because that sustains me. And then when my season comes, I won't be barren. Wait a second. Fruit doesn't come in every season. But if you're not planted in the right place, you'll never produce anything. Your leaf won't wither, and whatever you do is going to prosper. But to get to verse 3, you got to pass by some people. I'll quote verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I cannot walk with people that are ungodly and telling me things that are ungodly. If I wish to be planted by the river of living water, i got to make a choice about who my friends are.
I want to be planted in the right place, I cannot stand in the way of sinners. That means I cannot do the things that sinners do. Finally, if I want to be planted in the right place, I cannot sit down with people who nonstop talk about everybody, gossip and complain and murmur, scorn everyone, talk about how bad everybody is, point out everybody's faults. If, if they even qualify themselves and say, you know, I just feel like I want to get this off my chest. Don't get it off your chest. Swallow it and put it in your belly. Jesus said you are justified or condemned by your own words. I want to be planted in the right place. My location, it happens when I'm not walking with people who are ungodly, when I'm not doing the things that sinners do, and when I'm not sitting with people who have nothing but shame and scorn to say, I've got to be planted in the right location because when my season comes, I'm not going to be living at Rephidim. I'm praying right now that the Holy Ghost would come into this house, that he would baptize you all over again, that rivers of living water would burst out of you, that you would redirect your path, that you would not die in the dry place. I'm almost done. So when I'm in the dry, I hold on to a couple things. I hold on to discipline and I keep on walking let me do that again I have some disciplines when I don't feel like I have a lot of power or joy I just hold on to the disciplines of my life and that helps me walk through it because I know I can't live there and camp there and stay there. But my disciplines are helping me get past that point. I'm not going to pitch my tent or establish my life around something that's, that's barren, produces nothing. But instead, I'm going to go through the daily grind if I have to. I'm opening up that Bible. I'm reading it. I'm reading. Have you ever read the Bible through? Have you ever read it? Have you got to the point, you know, where numbers, have you gone through numbers? Have you read through Jeremiah? It's the most depressing book. Lamentations, you know, Lamentations, that, that book's even called crying. The Lamentations of Jeremiah, he cries the whole, whole book through. I said, all right, I'm going to cry my way right, right out of this dry place. I'm going to cry my way. Have you read through the book of Revelation? Huh? Scare you to death. I'll just scare my way right out of this dry place. I'm going to be scared all night long. Have you ever read? Have you read through the early part, the Torah, the, the, the Pentateuch, the, the first five books? Have you ever read through those where they list all the names of everybody and this would begat and that would begat? And you know they're not even part of my family. Why do I need to know their names? You just read their names and you just read them. And every, every time you read a name, you know you haven't pronounced it right. You just read it through and just say, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to get out of this dry place. I'm going to keep reading this word. I don't know how this is going to help me right here, but I'm going to know who begat who because I ain't staying here. I'm going to go through my disciplines. I ain't staying here. I'm not staying here. I'm going to open up this book. I'm going to pray my prayer. I'm going to 
to say thank you Jesus even if I don't know what he's done and I can't see it if you get in prison you know God is doing something great Commit your word, Lord, to the hearing of all of us, to your people. I commit your word right now, Lord, the preached word of God. For all those who are in a dry place, let them keep on walking. And for all those who have not come yet to it, Lord, I pray that they would move right through it, Lord. Because you've brought us a mighty long way and you've got something to show us, Lord. There is some demarcations coming. There's some callings and anointings coming, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would get through that point so that we could hear from you. Uh, And that there would be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost with fire. That a new law would be written on the hearts of thousands of people in our community. That they would be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I close with this. There's a woman going through a mundane life. She's been married multiple times, the man she's with now. She doesn't, pl- she doesn't fit anywhere. There's no place for her. She's a Gentile and she's a Jew. She's a Samaritan. She has a water pot and she goes to fill up her water pot with water. It's a mundane life. The people in her city knows her. They know who she is. Perhaps this is not a good thing. They know her name. When she goes to the well to draw water, there's a Jewish man standing there and he sits down They're at a location known as Jacob's well. She doesn't understand that the well has sat down at a well. And he asked her a question, not because he's thirsty, but because he's ready to plant her life in a new location. And he asked her a drink of water, and she's still thinking carnal she's thinking humanity and she says how is it that thou being a Jew ask of me a woman a Samaritan woman to have a drink of water because here's the protocol mister the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans that's what she said and he said if you just knew who it was that's asking you you turn the tables and say would you give me a drink cause I could give you water you would never thirst again ever 
I say to all of you today, if you just knew who was here ready to give you the water of life, you would never go thirsty again. Jesus is in this house. You don't have to live there in the mundane, the dry. You just have to reach out your hands and your heart to God. I'm, I'm changing my location right now. I'm changing my prayer right now. I'm leaning on the Lord right now. Right now, in Jesus' name, lift up your hands to the Lord and ask him, give me the water, Lord. Give